Episode 72 What is mental prayer and how do I do it? We all know that prayer is necessary. It's commanded of us by Christ, by St. Paul, many times in the scriptures. And this is to be expected, of course, that if we do not speak with God, if we do not engage in the, t- in the types of prayer I mentioned in my other episode on prayer, does prayer work? If we don't engage in adoration of God, in thanksgiving, penitence, in petition, how would we expect to actually cultivate a relationship with God if we never speak to him and if we never listen to him, if we never contemplate the sacred mysteries? So, of course, prayer is necessary for salvation. And the saints tell us as much. St. Alphonsus Liguori says, He who neglects mental prayer and is distracted by the affairs of the world will not know his spiritual wants, the dangers to which his salvation is exposed, the means he ought to take to conquer temptations, and he will forget the necessity of the prayer of petition for all men. Thus he will not ask for what is necessary, and by not asking God's grace, he will certainly lose his soul. Pretty serious words there, but again, it's to be expected. We would be foolish to think that we could be saved without engaging in a relationship with God through prayer. And not just spoken prayer, because sometimes spoken prayer can be empty. Sometimes we can engage in prayer that is devoid of the elevation of the heart and mind to God, where we're just saying words. Vocal prayer is good. We ought to engage in vocal prayer. But vocal prayer ought always to be accompanied by the raising of the heart and mind to God. And when we're engaging in a more intense form of prayer, we call that mental prayer because it's a wordless ascent of the mind to God where we meditate on God or one of the sacred mysteries and seek to unite ourselves to him in that way. So mental prayer is necessary because we can only truly be saved, we can only truly receive grace and discern God's will if we engage in the truest kind of prayer, which is mental prayer. Most of what I'm going to say in this episode is based on an article on mental prayer by a Dominican priest by the name of Bertrand Wilberforce, and he was a priest in the 19th century. And he's very quick to point out that since mental prayer is necessary for our salvation, it must not be very difficult. Some people, when they hear mental prayer or meditation, are put off because they get some concept of something only a monk can do that it's this arduous effort of contemplation. But he says, no, if it's something that is necessary for salvation and God wants the salvation of all, then it should be something that's relatively simple. And he quotes uh, other saints as well in this necessity. He says, uh, St. Teresa of Avila says, quote, how can charity last unless God gives perseverance? How will the Lord give us perseverance if we neglect to ask him for it? And how shall we ask it without mental prayer? Without mental prayer, there is not the communication with God which is necessary for the preservation of virtue. St. Alphonsus says again in another place, quote, Many say the rosary, the office of Our Lady, and other acts of devotion, but they still continue in sin. But it is impossible for him who perseveres in mental prayer to continue in sin. He will either give up mental prayer or renounce sin. Mental prayer and sin cannot exist together, and this we see by experience. They who make mental prayer rarely fall into mortal sin, And should they have the misery of falling into sin, by persevering in mental prayer, they see their misery and return to God. Let a soul be ever so negligent. If she persevere in mental prayer, the Lord will bring her back to the haven of salvation. So this is something that is necessary for all. It's not something that's the realm of only the religious. Mental prayer is necessary because, unlike simply vocal prayer or other devotions, Mental prayer entails the union of one's mind and will to God and the real listening of God's will. And when one does that, one cannot persevere in sin. A daily communication with God of this sort 
is incompatible with a continuing life of serious sin. And if one happens to fall into sin, they say that mental prayer will quickly bring them back to the right path because one cannot converse with God via mental prayer and not recognize their sinfulness and their need for God's mercy. Now, this is not a knock to vocal prayer or devotions. They are necessary as well. Praying the rosary is necessary. Praying the office and other liturgical devotions are very helpful to salvation as well and should not be neglected. But the point is, mental prayer is of a sort that you cannot engage in it simply by rote. By its very nature, it entails union of mind and will with God. So with all that in mind, how does one engage in mental prayer? First, let me recommend a book that is kind of difficult to find, so I hesitate to recommend it, but it's, but it's very, very good. It's called Methods of Mental Prayer by Cardinal Lercaro, L-E-R-C-A-R-O. It's an old book. It's out of print, but maybe you can find a, a reprint online. But it's a compilation of all the various forms of mental prayer from various spiritualities. For example, Ignatian, Carmelite, Benedictine, Sulpician, etc. And it shows the various structures of how to engage in mental prayer in that particular spirituality. But while it's interesting to see all the differences, it's more interesting to see the commonalities, the things that are universal to, to mental prayer. And that's what we'll talk about here. It usually consists of three parts. Preparation, the body of the prayer, and the conclusion. That's how most things are structured the beginning, the body, and the end. But with regard to the preparation, that also is broken down into different parts. And the first one, the more remote preparation, is living a good life, right? Trying to live a virtuous life. So we can't presume to have a fruitful time of mental prayer when we are not living a life conducive to growth and holiness. So in preparation for God more, particularly when you sit down or kneel down for prayer, you do a few things. First, you make an act of God's presence or an act of faith in God's presence that you remind yourself that God is present in the way that he is present in all things. And more intensely than that, he is present within your soul by grace. And if you happen to be in a church that he is present in his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the tabernacle, to remind yourself that you are in God's presence, to to break off from the busyness and the, the loudness of the world and quiet yourself, remind yourself that you are in God's presence. Then after that, after making an act of faith in God's presence, or a practice of the presence of God, as it's sometimes called, we make an act of contrition for our sin, that we ask God to give us true contrition and repentance as an act of humility so that we might clear out our soul and make way for God's grace. And then we ask for the light to see God's holy will during this time of prayer. Father Wilberforce gives examples of each of these. For a practice of the presence of God, he says an example prayer could be My God, I believe that thou art present with me and within me, and I adore thee with all the affection of my soul. A prayer for the act of sorrow. O Lord, by my sins I deserve now to be in hell. I repent, O infinite goodness, with my whole heart of having offended thee. I am sorry for sin from the bottom of my heart. Have mercy on me. And asking for light to see God's will. O eternal Father, for the love of Jesus and Mary, give me light in this prayer that I might profit by it. And Father Wilberforce says that these should be short. They shouldn't occupy the majority of your prayer, that they should just be a few minutes at the beginning of your prayer because the body of your prayer should make up the majority of it. Now, what is the body of the prayer? He says, in order to pray with fruit and without distraction, it is very useful and in most cases necessary to spend some time in meditation or pious thought on some definite subject. And from this fact, as before stated, the whole exercise is often called meditation instead of mental prayer. So meditation is a specific part of mental prayer but sometimes we just call mental prayer meditation, which isn't exactly accurate. So meditation means to take some particular reality or topic 
for example, God's mercy or the passion of Christ or the humility of the Christ child, which is something to meditate during this Advent and to really turn it over in our minds, to really try and think about the various parts of these realities that we use our intellect and think on this subject. But that's only the beginning of the body of prayer. It's not all we do. It's not just an intellectual study of some reality or some topic of theology. But since we're human beings, it helps us to use our intellect and our imagination to picture to ourselves or to consider some aspect of the faith or some attribute of God or some event of the gospel. St. Francis de Sales calls it, quote, an attentive thought voluntarily repeated or entertained in the mind to excite the will to holy and salutary reflections and resolutions. It differs in its object from mere study. We study to improve our minds and to store up information. We meditate to move the will to pray and to embrace good. We study that we may know. We meditate that we may pray, end quote. So this part of meditation where we engage our mind and our imagination is not so that we might grow in understanding like a theologian, but that by considering a truth of the faith or an attribute of God, we might be moved and elicit, as he says, salutary affections. We might move the will to love of God. And Father Wilberforce says that while doing this, we can ask ourselves questions to keep, uh, to keep us focused and to help move us along, such as, what does this mean? What, what lesson does it teach me? What have I done about this in the past? What shall I now do and how? He cautions us against being too intellectual. That is, we shouldn't read too much. But when we are thinking or reading on something, we ought to stop when something strikes us as worthy of further meditation. We shouldn't be actively reading for more than a few minutes, if at all. And he says we shouldn't be concerned either if nothing really strikes us or if in all of our meditation only one or two things seem interesting for us to dwell upon. Because the point is not to be consumed by our own thoughts. It's to turn our minds and unite our minds and our wills to God. St. Teresa says, The progress of a soul does not consist in thinking much of God, but in loving him ardently. And this love is gained by resolving to do a great deal for him. So these affections of the will and the resolutions that we make are the most important part of prayer. Meditation is simply to move us to those affections towards God and resolutions in the practice of virtue and holiness. So if we are meditating on a particular subject, Christ's passion, which the saints tell us is the best place to start if you are new in the practice of mental prayer, the various events of Christ's passion and his love and humility shown in his passion are wonderful places to start because they elicit such strong affections and other acts of the will. But once we are meditating upon this, we make certain acts of the will based on the things we have been meditating. So we adore Christ in his passion, for example, or in his humility in the manger at Bethlehem. We can make acts of faith and hope and confidence, thanksgiving, humility, contrition. But he says we should make these various acts over and over of adoration, humility, confidence, thanksgiving, contrition, love, Love, of course, being the most important. But we shouldn't be doing these things by simply saying them, but trying to elicit these real affections, not just the words, but the affections and the acts of the will by which we really do adore and we really do sense our own humility, that we really do praise God's mercy. And he said we shouldn't hurry from one act or affection to the other, but to repeat them. Again, consider all the things we've said in other episodes about acquiring virtue. As human beings, it's by repetition. And the same thing is true for acts of the will and these affections that by repetition, we can actually make them deeper and deeper in our souls. 
After these acts of the will, and moving our will towards God by means of them, we then make petition of him, that we ask for various graces and favors of him. And it's not selfish to pray for ourselves and to ask for things, because it's really a recognition of our own nothingness and our total dependence on God that we ask for his graces and we ask for his assistance. Because it's not enough to just meditate on God. Growth and holiness actually is making resolutions and doing things in God's service and for love of God. And without asking for his grace, we cannot do those things. So holiness would be impossible. So petitions are super important. And as we know that the object of prayers of petition have to be spiritual goods, right? We can't ask for earthly goods. We ought not to ask for earthly goods. But he says that there are three graces in particular that we should ask for whatever else we're asking for, and every time we engage in mental prayer, we should always ask for, one, the perfect forgiveness of our past sins, two, the perfect love of God, and three, the grace of a holy death. Remember we talked about how to die a holy death in a past episode. That is one of the most important things you could pray for, and we should always include that petition whenever we are praying. Now, towards the end of prayer, we make resolutions. So everything we've done so far has been to unite ourselves to God, to grow in love of him, to ask him for his graces. But then we always have to end it by making certain practical resolutions. Otherwise, the graces of prayer can be lost if we just meditate on God and ask for things, but then we don't actually make a plan of life, which entails certain practical steps that we take to change what needs to be changed in order to grow in holiness. So it has to be something definite. It, my, my resolution can't just be, I'm going to be holier. It has to be, for example, I'm going to avoid engaging in this behavior. And in order to do that, I'm going to take this concrete step. Or I want to grow in this particular virtue. And in order to do that, I'm going to take this concrete step today, tomorrow, etc. And if we don't remain faithful to it, we should repeat it every time that we conclude our mental prayer until we can conquer the sin that we're trying to conquer or until we can acquire the virtue that we're trying to acquire. It can't be general and vague. It has to be something that we can do and measure in a sense. And after we make these concrete resolutions, Father Wilberforce says that we should make three short, fervent prayers. First would be an act of thanksgiving for the lights and graces given during that time of prayer. Two, to repeat again to yourself the good resolution you have already made so that you don't forget it. And three, ask for the grace to keep to that resolution. So that is mental prayer in summary. And it might seem very mechanical because we mentioned it in steps. But these are not steps that we need to look at as certain periods of time and then we switch from one to the other. It's simply a description of what the soul and mind ought to be engaged in during the time of prayer. In general, one ought to put oneself in the presence of God briefly at the beginning of prayer. Then meditate on some particular thing in order to move the will and the affections towards God and then ask for graces, and then make particular resolutions to grow in holiness. That's basically what mental prayer is. And so don't think of it as a blueprint that needs to be followed exactly with certain time stamps, but something that is a description of the most fruitful way we can engage in prayer according to the cumulative wisdom of the saints and the teaching of the church. And again, I'd recommend you find Methods of Mental Prayer by Cardinal Lercaro, to give you a better idea of different ways, different forms this basic structure of mental prayer can take. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. Please become a member at patreon.com slash catholicdailybrief for more content, an extra episode each week, and for an audio library of Catholic fiction. God bless.